It's December 18th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Washington, D.C. is consumed with a fight over immigration. They're working on a new bill this morning that we're going to discuss. But some illegal migrants are actually saying that they regret coming here in the first place. I'll explain. Second, IRS whistleblowers have come out yet again saying that there is ample evidence that Joe Biden was intimately involved in his son's foreign business deals. Details on that shortly. Third, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been talking near a modern phone or TV and then suddenly you got an ad about that thing that you were just discussing? There's a reason for it. I'll tell you who is spying on you and how. Fourth, critical updates out of the Middle East this morning about the war, the economy, and how we are all living in the midst of what I see as a global revolution of how humans fight. But first, let's get to that top story of the morning. Politicians in Washington, D.C. are in a bruising fight over the collapsed southern U.S. border this morning and how best to shore it up. U.S. senators are working on a bill that has three especially contentious proposals, and here they are. The first is to give the White House new powers to block and deport. So let's talk about that first idea of blocking. The hope is that the federal government would immediately block some asylum seekers right at the border, all without ever letting them ever claim asylum. It would be similar to former President Donald Trump's use of something called Title 42, but not used because of COVID concerns as it was under Trump. Rather, these new powers would tighten and redefine who would qualify for asylum. Meanwhile, this other idea of deporting more people, that would give the executive branch expanded powers to rapidly kick people out of this country without judicial review. Immigration officers could do that all throughout the country, not just along the border, and they could do it immediately. The second idea that is being debated this morning is what to do with asylum seekers if the new rules actually allow them to come in. Well, what is being discussed is whether or not to house all those asylum applicants in massive camps all along the border, instead, of course, releasing them into the country. They would be detained there until a judge reviews their case, probably taking years. According to proponents of this idea, it would serve ultimately as a deterrent to anybody who would come here in the first place without a real emergency of being persecuted because, as it stands, the vast majority of asylum seekers ultimately get rejected, but they apply anyway, all taking advantage of the system. So the third idea that is being debated this morning is about something called humanitarian parole. It's a law that's been on the books for decades now that was designed to help a very small number of people on a case-by-case basis to help uh, escape some profound humanitarian concern or perhaps address a critical U.S. need. But under this parole, they and their families would be let in only for a short period of time, and they would have to apply for asylum or permanent residency or citizenship. But that program of humanitarian parole That was, again, only supposed to be used in rare and sparse occasions, but critics say that the Biden White House has profoundly misused and abused it. As they correctly note, Mr. Biden has let in over 30,000 people a month using humanitarian parole, and that is absolutely unprecedented. In fact, even the otherwise liberal New York Times said it was a back way door to effectively legally thwart immigration laws. 
And that is why Republicans want to reform this program. In fact, they have sued the Biden administration to stop it. However, Democrats actually celebrate this use of humanitarian parole, and they want no such change. But that partisan division actually gets to the heart of the challenge this morning. Republicans in the Senate, and especially the House, say it is time to secure the border. While Mr. Biden and the Democrats are less inclined to do much of anything or want to do nothing at all, unless they get their desired war aid for Ukraine. Although, to be fair, not all Democrats are celebrating open borders this morning. Some are having some pretty big changes of heart. Arizona's Democrat Governor Katie Hobbs, for instance, she just called up her National Guard late on Friday, actually, because as she claimed, quote, the federal government is refusing to do its job to secure our border and keep our communities safe, end quote. Meanwhile, the Democrat governor of New York City, he continues to warn his residents uh, as well about his city's financial collapse, all because of the illegal migration crisis. He said earlier this month that help is not on the way from D.C. and that actually Democrats, his party, have let this nation down on the migrant issue. Quote, we underestimated the impact of the migrant and asylum seeker issue, and that is impacting major cities throughout this country. End quote. He later said that the city that uh, he runs is going to have to make some pretty tough choices financially, whether to fund certain things or not. And those tough choices are going to impact everybody, including migrants. And by that, he meant this. New York City has instituted a new rule that migrants can only stay in local hotels or other lodging for 60 days in total. And at that point, they are either evicted or they get a 60-day extension depending on whether or not their applications are accepted or if there are no others waiting, which lately has not been the case. Now, for what it's worth, the city expects that the first wave of migrants to be evicted will start somewhere in early January. Migrants at that point will either either be sleeping on the streets or in regional tent cities. They are also being offered one-way flights to go back home, anywhere in the world, actually. But so far, very few migrants have taken up the city on this offer, which actually takes us to an interview that was uh, conducted by the Associated Press on Friday. They spoke to a 38-year-old woman named Karina Abadano. She's from Ecuador. She and her two children uh, had been staying in a New York City hotel for about 30, 60 days now, but they are going to be kicked out in only three weeks' time. As she said to the AP, quote, as a mother, it hurts. They told me that this country was different, but for me, it has been hell. End quote. So those are the latest facts and data this morning on America's collapsed southern border and the ongoing crisis about what to do about it. From D.C., of course, now to the streets of New York City. Let me pivot to my analysis and opinion. And I want to focus on that last sentence that we just heard from Miss Obadano. Quote, they told me that this country was different, but for me, it's been hell. But wait a minute. That raises a very important question. Who was the they that told Miss Obadano that they said that things would be different than in Ecuador? Uh, who convinced her that America would give her free housing or free medical care or free schooling or free food? Well, there is only one answer to that. Sanctuary policies convinced her, and the they in the sentence of hers was the Democrats who codified those policies into law. Now, to be fair, that is not to say that Republicans or other groups might not benefit from illegal migrants or their labor, because they do. But Ms. Obadano came here because they, again, Democrats and leftists, attracted her here with sanctuary policies. So unless and until we change that, 
there will always be a magnet that attracts illegal migrants. And frankly, that is true whether or not those new border policies that we talked about this morning being discussed in the Senate get passed or not. For what it's worth, those will likely reach the floor of the Senate sometime this week or possibly into early next year. With that, we turn to our second report of the morning. IRS whistleblowers are making clear yet again that there is ample evidence to suggest that Joe Biden is lying when he says that he was never involved in his son Hunter's business deals. IRS investigators turned whistleblowers Mr. Gary Shapley and Joseph Zeigler said late last week that, quote, it's just part of the shifting story from the Department of Justice and the Biden family attorneys, because at the beginning it was, I've never talked to my son about business, and now we are into, he's not financially connected to the businesses, but you don't have to be financially connected to a business in order to be a part of that business, end quote. That, by the way, was Mr. Shapley speaking, who then added this, by the way, quote, there is ample evidence that shows that President Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's businesses in some way, shape or form, end quote. As for the other whistleblower, a fellow named Joseph Zeigler, who was a Democrat, by the way, he echoed Mr. Shapley's statements, adding that they were never allowed to fully investigate Joe Biden's role. In fact, he pointed to some recently published emails from a senior Department of Justice official named Leslie Wolf, who repeatedly blocked their attempts to properly investigate Mr. Biden for acts of corruption. So those are the latest quick facts and data regarding my brief that I gave you last week regarding Biden family corruption or the allegations of such. I have no deep analysis to give you or opinion on this. Just a reminder, folks, that no matter the spin or the propaganda that you hear, there is absolutely overwhelming and irrefutable evidence that Joe Biden is lying about his role in his son's business deals. The question is, why is he lying? Well, that was supposed to be the point of the IRS investigation, as Mr. Zeigler and Mr. Shapley have long said. But the Biden DOJ stopped them from doing their job, as they credibly claim. But no matter, the House impeachment investigation will now explore that evidence that Mr. Zeigler and Mr. Shapley were allegedly told to ignore. With that, we turn to our third report of the morning. So if you have ever wondered if your electronic devices were spying on you, the answer is yes. And we now have confirmation of that. Cox Media Group, which is a major American media company, recently published and then quickly erased a pitch on their website to American businesses. And here was the tease, the pitch. Quote, what could it do for your business if you were able to target potential clients or customers who are using conversations where they say things like this, a minivan would be perfect for us, or we need to get serious about planning for retirement, or we need a better mortgage rate. Well, active listening can make that happen for you, end quote. All right, well, Cox then went on to describe exactly what is this active listening program and how they would actively pick up people's conversations. Well, they explained that it involves capturing people's lives, quote, via smartphones, smart TVs, and other electronic devices, end quote. Cox went on to say that they and their partners will get a hold of those secretly recorded conversations using the microphones in those devices and then send that data off to programs that run artificial intelligence software. And that AI stuff will flag keywords plus the people who are talking about them and then resell all of that to corporate America who will then send you targeted ads on your smartphones or TVs or via old-fashioned mailings. So if this now creeps you out, 
or even makes you a little bit outraged, well, Cox Media Group appreciated that you might feel that way. And here's what they told potential advertisers about your outrage or concerns. Quote, it is totally legal for phones and devices to listen to you. That's because consumers usually give consent when accepting terms and conditions of software updates or app downloads, end quote. Well, this news is not a great shock, is it, to Right Report listeners? Because I shared with you back on September 7th that we know that your cars do this exact same thing, collecting everything you say in your vehicle and then resell those conversations to advertisers and probably others too, like the U.S. government. If you recall, Nissan was the worst performing in terms of privacy of all the vehicle companies, but GM, Chrysler, pretty bad too. In fact, virtually every car company surveyed by these investigators who conducted the study, they all do this secret intel collection, and they defend themselves by using the same logical argument that Cox does, saying that you all, consumers, you sign off on being surveilled when you purchase a car and you accept those terms of service agreements. For what it's worth, Cox Media says that while, yes, they do work with these various businesses that spy on you from Nissan to your phone manufacturer, they make sure that by the time that they get the information back, right, it is totally anonymous and completely encrypted. So you, my friends, have nothing to worry about. However, cyber experts and privacy researchers and frankly common sense reject those assertions. They note that it's pretty easy to figure out who said what based in no small part because Cox is sending people personalized ads all based on what they said, of course, when sitting or standing near their electronic devices. So those are the latest facts and data about, well, your data. It's about your conversations being captured and used for corporate profit and likely the government too. Let me pivot now to my brief analysis and opinion on all of this. So first, Cox Media and others who defend this spine are trying to justify their behavior by saying that you consented to being spied on by accepting those terms of service and such. Okay, well, technically they're right, but let me ask you something. How long do you think it would take the average person to read all the terms and service agreements for all the products and services that an average person consumes in one year? Well, here's the answer. A recent study showed that it would take an average person 76 working days to read all of it, assuming that the person reads for eight hours a day. And guess what? Companies know that. They know that you're not going to take months to read and understand all those various service agreements. And so they take advantage of that and of you. Second, the other big concern here that I have is that the FBI or other law enforcement agencies in this country are going to buy and use this material. And that's because it's a way for them to spy on Americans without getting a court warrant. And we know, by the way, that this is already happening. The FBI admitted to doing it this last spring and summer and later apologized, sort of. Okay, so that is the current state of affairs. How do you fix this if you find this upsetting or bad? Well, a couple of ideas for you. First, the thing that you can control immediately, start with this. Everything that you type into your phone or computer or everything that you say around any electronic device with a microphone, that is a surveillance device. It can be and is being used against you by companies and law enforcement alike. Second, if you want to stop this, you actually can with state legislatures. For instance, the state of Massachusetts is currently working on a law that's called the Location Shield Act, and that limits what and where information can be captured. 
So the good news is reach out to your local state representative or your local state senator. And even better news, they're usually your neighbors, literally. Give them a call, walk down the street, tell them about this issue. And if you'd like, show them the links in the transcript. Help them too by giving them a solution. Offer them this uh, Location Shield Act as an example of what they might do. So my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, as ever, there is so much power in your hands. You have control over your cities and counties and maybe to a lesser degree, your state capitals. But the bottom line is your neighbors run these places. And unlike D.C., they are just a phone call away or walking down the street. Although, you know what? Forget the phone call. Use a carrier pigeon. Wouldn't want to tip off the spy masters in corporate America or the FBI. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks. We'll be right back. Well, fall is officially here, and that means it's time for jackets and sweaters and blankets too. And I'm getting all of mine from American Giant. Yeah, they make clothes and other textiles right here in America. None of that Chinese stuff. Folks, American Giant has it all. Hoodies, polos, jeans, jackets, and yes, blankets. All made in America and all top quality products. And I'm telling you, the moment that you touch this stuff, the second that you put it on, you just know that these products are top shelf. I've got a jacket and a hoodie and they are amazing. And here's the best news from my perspective anyway. American Giant is not just some company making stuff. It's seamsters and cutters and factory workers, your neighbors in towns and cities all across this country who are reopening factories to make you products that you can be proud of. It's about purpose and people, ladies and gentlemen. So do what I've done. Join me in buying clothes from American Giant. And if you do, I'm going to save you a bunch of money. 20% off your first order. Holy cow. So here's how you do it. Go to American-Giant.com. Once you are there, you can choose from their many categories of awesome clothes and products. And when you check out, use promo code RIGHT. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And you're going to get that 20% off your first order. So what are you waiting for? Come on now. Let's fill up our wardrobes. Get your fall and winter clothes, ladies and gentlemen, right now at American-Giant.com. Just use that promo code RIGHT and get 20% off. So let's go to American-Giant.com and let's make America giant. Folks, if you're looking for a new mattress, I've got one at 60% off. Yeah, we're talking about Ghost Bed, the company that I think makes the finest mattresses in all of America. As you know by now, I have the Lux model. That one is designed to help people like me who sleep a little bit hot. But that is not the only reason that I bought a ghost bed. I care mostly about craftsmanship and high quality materials. And when you feel a ghost bed, you feel both the quality and the comfort. And you feel it, by the way, right out of the box, delivered right to your doorstep. Now, I do have a confession on that point. I was a little bit skeptical about buying a mattress that comes in a relatively small box. But however that magic works, well, I don't know, but it does work. And the mattresses are absolutely fantastic. Still, if you're skeptical like I was, don't worry. Ghostbed has a 101-day trial period plus free shipping and returns, so you can try it out in the comfort of your own home. So if you're looking for a mattress or you want to gift one to somebody this holiday season, go to ghostbed.com slash right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And when you do, you are going to get 60% off your Ghostbed purchase, but you got to use that web address. 
Again, folks, go to ghostbed.com slash right, W-R-I-G-H-T, and get yourself the good night's sleep that you deserve. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning with a pivot towards international developments. Folks, we're off to the Middle East this morning to talk about war, the global economy, but ultimately how we are living in the midst of a global revolution of how humans fight. But before we get to that big picture stuff, let's do this. Let's grab our maps on our phones, computers, or in our minds and come with me this morning to the Red Sea. It's that strip of water that extends from the Suez Canal in Egypt all the way to the Indian Ocean, with countries all around it like Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Eritrea, and Djibouti. And of course, there's also the country of Yemen. That country has been in the news for a while now. Initially, a number of years ago, it was because of a very nasty civil war, with one side being the government of Yemen and their friends in Saudi Arabia, and on the other side was and is a rebel group known as the Houthis. Now, as listeners might recall, they're a Shiite Muslim group that for centuries had lived in and dominated the northern areas of Yemen, but they were pretty squished during a civil war back in 1962. In the decades since then, there has been a back and forth between this Houthi group and their enemies in the capital, although in more recent times, they have had one very important friend in their fight, and that is their Shia allies in Iran. In other words, Yemen is one of those flashpoints that we often talk about between the two branches of Islam. We've got the Sunni branch and the Shia branch. It's roughly like the Christians who have had many centuries of fights between the Catholics and the Protestants. But the problem with this fight in Yemen is its location. So looking at our maps, Yemen borders the Red Sea, which connects the Mediterranean Sea and Europe to the Indian Ocean and Asia, linked by the Suez Canal. And that gives Yemen and those Houthis and the Iranians a very critical perch over that very vital uh, waterway. It facilitates about 10% of the world's ocean trade, including and especially oil. Now, it is true that ships can take the longer route, about two weeks longer, as they travel all the way south to the Cape of Good Hope, all the way down in South Africa. But most of them prefer the Suez shortcut. So summarizing that big picture... You've got a very special Yemeni perch on the Red Sea with all that sea traffic. But on that perch right now, anyway, are the Houthis and their friends in Iran. And as you would imagine, that's going to lead to some troubles. But now add this. The Houthis hate the Jews and they want to destroy the Israeli state, just like their friends in Iran. So yes, all of that is going to give you some serious troubles. And that takes us to the news. The world's leading shipping companies are halting all transit to the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. The world's top four companies announced on Friday and Saturday that operations would stop effective immediately and ships would be rerouted or redirected around the Cape of Good Hope. And they are doing this because over the past two weeks and again on Saturday, the Houthis launched a series of strikes against cargo ships passing their territory, especially those ships going to or coming from Israel. To the point they launched at least 14 suicide drone attacks on cargo ships on just Saturday, plus additional assaults on the U.S. Navy ship, the USS Kearney. Although the White House continues to deny that, saying that those Houthi attacks are only flying near the ships, but they could pass over or around them. So Biden's team says we will just never know because these drones are being shot down by the USS Kearney or its sister ship called the USS Mason. Critics say that that is just hogwash, but nevertheless, the attacks are directed at someone and they're increasing. 
Indeed, a Houthi spokesman said late last week and again this weekend that all ships in the Red Sea, no matter their destination, quote, will remain vulnerable to our targeting until the aggression stops in Gaza. The siege there is lifted and humanitarian aid continues to flow, end quote. So that is at least their stated motivation for the attacks, the war in the Gaza Strip. Western governments are struggling with how to respond to that statement. As I just noted, the White House is effectively pretending that the attacks aren't really happening, at least not to our ships. Although, to be fair, the Biden White House says that they are doing some stuff. For instance, they say they have formed a task force that we should hear more about this week. And second, they say they have sent direct messages to the Houthis saying, please stop those attacks. But as Axios News is reporting, unfortunately, the Houthis have so far ignored Mr. Biden's request. Meanwhile, other governments in the region are trying to manage this in their own way. The government of Egypt has shot down at least one Houthi drone. That is because Cairo is very anxious about how long this is going to go on and how much it's going to cost them. That's because they get billions of dollars each year in passage fees as ships go through the Suez Canal. And now that source of revenue is in doubt. Meanwhile, and next, the Arab country of Oman, they say that they are hosting senior Houthi members for peace talks. Although I should tell you the odds of success there are quite long. Houthi spokesman Mohammed Abdel Salman said that his terror group would continue their operations so long as Israel was engaging in, quote, aggression and siege on the Gaza Strip, end quote. Ah, one last thing to flag for you. The U.S. continues to be attacked in not only the Red Sea, but also in Iraq and Syria. In fact, our forces in those two countries have come under attack now 98 times since Hamas attacked Israel back on October 7th. By the way, all those attacks are being launched exclusively by Iran or its partners like the Houthis. So those are the latest facts and data about how this war in Israel continues to impact the region, the world and our economy, and most critically for us, our men and women in uniform. Let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion. So I would offer you three things to consider this morning about these various developments. The first is this. The Houthis used to be on America's terror watch list and for very good reason. But Mr. Biden removed them from that list as one of his very first acts as president. He and his administration did that, as they say, because they were trying to grow closer to Tehran and find peace with that nation. Okay, well, we can all decide whether or not that has worked, but I will tell you, White House spokesman uh, John Kirby was recently asked if Biden now regrets doing this, and the answer was no. But the candid answer is yes. He should regret that decision because we are all now living in a world where, if I could just take one small part of this, 9 million barrels of oil a day are now being redirected because of these Houthi attacks. And that has very uncertain consequences for global trade and probably your pocketbook. Although most critically, we now have very uncertain consequences for our men and women in uniform. So those are certainly enough reasons to regret delisting those Houthis as a bunch of terrorists. Second, folks, leadership matters. And in my view, America, frankly, has no leadership in the White House this morning. And I should tell you, that is not just my view. As I've shared with you previously, in fact, on December 6th was the last time we talked about this, CENTCOM and other Pentagon leaders are growing outraged at the Biden White House for failing to either prevent or respond to the Houthis and other Iranian proxy groups in the region. They're saying that our military personnel are going to die because of it. And frankly, I agree. 
Although, to be fair, the White House says, look, they understand all of this, but they are afraid of escalating things in the Middle East right now, and that's why they're not going to strike back. But that position, my friends, is frankly absurd. Things have already escalated, haven't they? 98 attacks on our troops over the past two months, plus over a dozen attempted strikes on both the USS Kearney and the USS Mason. And now we've got this issue with the Suez Canal effectively being shut down for some pretty critical uh, items like oil. In other words, holy smokes, mission failure. If Biden and the White House were trying to avoid escalation, we are already there. So I think it's time to shift gears for Pete's sake. All right, third and finally, let's step back for a second away from the Middle East and let's put on our CIA analyst hats and let's reflect on the information that we just heard about the tactics that the Houthis are using this morning and compare it to other places in the world. Because I think that as we do, we're going to find something pretty incredible. And here it is. We are living through a revolution in warfare, drone warfare to be specific. Now, we have talked about this before, but it's worth emphasizing and frankly understanding and reminding ourselves of what it means for all of us. So first, let's remind ourselves and think of this. The Houthis are able to throw off 10% of the world's ocean trade and target the U.S. Navy because they have some cheap suicide drones. That's remarkable. Second, consider what's happening in Ukraine. The U.S. sent the Ukrainians some very cheap disposable drones back in the spring of 2022. They were called the switchblades. And they were very effective in killing Russian generals, soldiers, tanks, a lot of stuff. But then the Russians got their own set of drones, including one that's called the Lancet. By the way, if you've never seen one of these things, they're quite something. Imagine an X-wing fighter from Star Wars, but about five feet long, 25 pounds in weight with a flight speed of 185 miles an hour. That is the Lancet, and it is a racing drone, but it has been tinkered with and MacGyvered into delivering bombs. And that, in no small part, has allowed the Russians to then slaughter countless Ukrainians. In fact, it helped defeat Kiev's recent counteroffensive. Third and finally this morning, we are also seeing the Chinese make some pretty important inroads into this world of drones. We know that they're developing some new models and a very interesting stealth drone engine. In fact, we might have already seen some of this stuff at play, but in a secret war. So here's that. Do you recall the brief that I gave you about the country Myanmar back on November 22nd? Uh, to quickly refresh our memories, that war-torn country has been led by a military government for years, and the rebels there have tried but failed to bring it down. Until recently, the rebels launched something called Operation 1027, and they have captured an astonishing amount of territory, killing the junta's forces and capturing key outposts all throughout that country. Now, there's been a lot of questioning about how these rebels have been able to do that after years of failure. Well, this morning, we have part of the answer. Reuters News Service interviewed rebel chiefs over the past week, and they are now admitting that they have dropped over 25,000 bombs using drones. One of the rebels called it a game changer in their fight against the Myanmar military. Now, here's the interesting part. The rebels said that they were aided by, quote, foreign drone experts, end quote. Now, Reuters News Service didn't exactly say who that might be, but... The Chinese would certainly be one of the suspects. We explored why that could possibly be back on November 22nd. The point is this, ladies and gentlemen, your world is becoming more dangerous and unpredictable, all because of cheap drones. They are changing modern warfare. And we see it everywhere, don't we? From Ukraine to Israel, 
the Red Sea, Myanmar, and even Mexican cartels. I shared that news with you back on August 24th. In short, drones are upending how humans fight. You don't need a trillion dollar defense budget to bring your enemies to their knees. So that is what I will keep watching for. How small groups of rebels and thugs, frankly, are taking on and taking down governments all around this world. More to come. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. In the interest of time, we're going to hold off on any listener questions today, but a special thanks to my Substack subscribers who are writing in, and I think a lot of folks enjoyed the video message that I sent out on uh, Saturday. It was a treat to film that and share with y'all. Regardless, folks, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.